Oh, come on, Stephanie. Yeah. <laughs> Stephanie was our uh, women's Bible study leader uh, before you left. And we have a wonderful Bible study leader now. Uh, and I don't even remember the connection, but I remember when we said, Stephanie, could you start this Bible study? And we are so glad to have you here amongst all of us at, at uh, Communitas. And we were very sad when you left. But we were very happy for you, too. And you look like you have really received wonderful things from the Lord. And we are so excited to receive that. And, you know, I just wanted to say, too, um, Becca, welcome back. Becca, she came to hear you. Becca, uh, Alex, she says she said she put a hood over her head and said, "I don't want to be noticed tonight, but we see you back there." So, a welcome back from from Greece, from Crete, and she said, "I got to come and hear Stephanie," and we're all looking forward to it. So, thank you, Lord, for Stephanie, yeah. Father. We want to hear from you tonight. I've already read the notes, and I know she's probably gonna add even more grace and and uh, wonderful words from you and uh, Lord we look forward to yeah. hearing from you tonight through Stephanie mm -hmm. and we have our hearts open yeah. tonight and amen. we say yes to you and amen, amen. hallelujah um I'm yeah I think I'm okay thank you um who loves Karen's kisses <laughs> right yeah okay seriously being upstairs and Karen gave me a hug and a kiss on the cheek. I was like, I miss Karen's kisses. Um, I am so glad to be here today. I'm so glad to see so many of you, new faces, familiar faces. Like God is so faithful and it's not by mistake that you're here this evening. And even during worship, I just felt the encouragement of the Lord, like he really wants to impart strength into your heart. And I feel like some of you have been contending um, to be able to receive from him. So I just encourage you, like he has, uh, he has something for you this evening, and I feel like he really wants to impart strength. So just in faith, even now, um, open your hearts to what he has for you because it's good and he is faithful. Okay, so um, simple message, but so true. And how many of us know sometimes the most uh, simple, basic truths can be the most difficult to wrap our heads around? And so I just want to encourage you, stay with it, because God has um, revelation for you in this word. And so the text that I'm reading from, if you have your Bibles with you, if you want to open up to 1 John. And while you do that, I'm just going to pray again. Lord, I thank you for each person here, and I ask you, God, would you just anoint my words? Would you speak life through me? And even at the speaking of your word, God, even as we share together as those who are, are forged in community through suffering, would you just impart grace? Would you impart strength? Would you impart encouragement in Jesus' name? Okay, so First John 4, and um, this verse is like the verse I'm speaking on tonight is super, super close to my heart. Uh, for three or four months, I went through a season of just meditating on this passage of scripture. Do you ever do that? Do you ever just get kind of stuck in a spot in the Bible and you just want to read it over 
and over and over again. And as you do, your heart just gets freer and more free and more free. Okay, so that's kind of my story behind this. Okay, so hopefully you're there. First John 4. Uh, we'll start with verse 1. And I'm reading from the New American Standard. I love this version, um, but it may be different than what you have, and that's okay. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that is coming and now is already in the world. But verse 4, you are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. And um, really quick to give you a context of what is going on in this, in the New Testament, or in this church, John is speaking to a group of believers who, from this group of believers, there is a, a group that has gone off into her heresy, and it's a teaching called Gnosticism. And it was this, this belief, these people who were at once, or at one time part of the brethren, went off and started to contend with the truth of the humanity of Christ. And um, in the Greek, like Gnosis means to know. So these, these, this group of, of Gnostic people really thought they knew it. They thought they had come to enlightenment and were trying to confuse um, through false teaching the brethren of, of the deity of Christ and his full humanity. And so when John is speaking to this church or to these people, um, his heart is to encourage them that they have the ability to discern what is from the Lord and what is not. And um, the verse I want to focus on is verse 4. Uh, John is assuring the church that they have the indwelling Holy Spirit. He's assuring them that they have the ability to discern truth from lies. How many know we still need that, right? The Spirit of God from the Spirit of Antichrist, or that which would come against the Lordship of Jesus in their life. Um, so first part. I love it. I love it so much. The first thing that he does in verse 4, he affirms them of their identity. You are from God, little children. Like, just stop right there for just a minute. Because so often I think we take this verse, not out of context, but we love the greater is he that is in you part. And we skip the first half, which is so beautiful. He starts with saying, you are from God, little children. Like, it's so pastoral, it's so loving, and it's so true. Like, we're his kids. We're from him. And um, then he goes on to affirm them in their previous victory. Because this, this, this particular audience, they had stood against the false teaching of Gnosticism. They knew Jesus as fully human, fully God. And so he says, you have overcome them. He's encouraging them in their previous victory. Like, you've done this before. And then he goes on to talk about the true source of the victory experienced and the victory promised. Because greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. And so um, this verse, in fullness, is power unto deliverance. Power unto um, the truth of God within us. And um, like on my heart so much is... God, you're in us. Holy Spirit, you're within us. 
but how do we partner with that, okay? Like, I know this, I see this, it's true, but what does that look like practically? How do I partner with you in that? And um, today, things are not much different than the time of the first century church. Like, would you agree? Yeah, like there are so many things, practical and spiritual, that would come against the lordship of Christ in our life. Um, and one of those things, uh, one of that, or one of those things are like just false beliefs, lies, that we've come into agreement with. And so, uh, like what I've learned personally in this verse and through my meditation on this is like God is bigger. He's deposited the Holy Spirit in you to reveal his truth. You are his children and you can overcome because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Um, okay, so what, how I want to look at this though is like in its practical form because if we, we take a truth and we don't walk it out and we don't practice it and we don't like apply it daily, it doesn't carry the same weight as it could. Not that it's not, <laughs> you know, uh, inspired by the spirit and truth but there's ways we can partner with the holy spirit in this and one of those ways is by speaking truth and um in a practical way and i just want to share a couple of scriptures psalm 37 30 says the mouth of the righteous utters wisdom and his tongue speaks justice i love that i love that psalm 35 28 and my tongue shall declare your righteousness and your praise all day long and then Proverbs 18.21, which a lot of people uh, reference, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Okay, so there's power in encouragement, and that's what I want to speak tonight on is encouragement. Um, there's great power when we speak that encouragement. Uh, I'm a word person. Some of you know I'm, I'm a writer, and I love words, and so I like looking at like what is like behind the root of words. And, and so I was looking through the different definitions of encouragement. And one of them is to inspire with courage, spirit, or hope. This is important. Like, I, I love it when something is noble. We're created for noble things. And if you stop and think of encouragement as imparting or inspiring with courage, when we speak encouragement, we are speaking courage onto one another. And um, so what I've done in just like, because I like things organized in my mind, is I've divided uh, groups of people that we need to encourage. Nothing profound, but I think it helps to establish uh, like a parameter around it just so that we can think of it in practical terms. The first group of people that we need to encourage, um, it's ourselves, okay? Because we probably more than others know the lies that we're believing. And just like with the, the Gnostic church and they elevated that they know that they have wisdom, some of the lies that we believe hold weight, okay? And I'm not saying they're true, but they hold weight because people have spoken them over you or the media has blasted it time and time and time again. And so even though this church, um, these first century believers knew the truth of Jesus and his deity being bombarded with the lies, they got to that place of, of maybe possible insecurity, like, okay, I know this isn't truth, but I feel like it is. Have you ever been there? Like, you know something's not true, but you kind of feel like maybe it is. And so there's that battle, there's that tension. One way to combat that, 
find truth and speak it over to yourself. Speak it over yourself. I think um, it feels kind of awkward sometimes, right? Because I can think and meditate on truth, meditate on the verse. But to take it to that next level of speaking it out, it takes practice. And maybe it feels uncomfortable at first. But do it because there's power, just as we read, in our tongue, okay? Um, so that's the first group. Second group, speak, and this uh, covers a lot of people, but speak over others. Okay, so group two. So group one, speak truth over yourself. Group two, um, well, yeah, first in that is the, I want um, to talk about speaking truth over people we don't think need it, okay? And I love that Becca did not want to be called on and did not want attention at all, but I'm so going to call on her and so bring attention to her and ask that she comes up here and stands by me for everyone to see. You had this feeling the Lord is preparing her. Okay. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad you're here. Becca, right? Okay. Here is a beautiful woman of God who loves the Lord, is so competent, so like on fire. And when you see her, it can be like, oh, Becca, she's awesome. She doesn't need encouragement. But okay, let's think for a minute. What is one of the definitions of encouragement? To impart courage. Who does not need courage? For real. Everyone needs it. Even the people we don't think do. So it takes conscious effort. So I want to take a minute and I want to talk about what does encouragement look like. When we speak it over ourselves, we're specifically combating lies that we know we're coming into agreement with. But when we're speaking to other people, especially people we think are so awesome, how do we know what to, to impart courage with. Well, truth is always a good one, absolutely. But we also want to speak what we recognize God doing in their life. Now, I know um, my background for a while, I was a teacher. And they used to teach us and talk to us about uh, when you impart encouragement to your students, don't just give them compliments. Like, it's super easy to say, hey, I like the shoes or great glasses, you know? I mean, it's, and it's natural, and there's nothing wrong with that, but that's, an that's a compliment, and it doesn't necessarily impart courage. Like, I love my boots, and you may totally tell me how cute they are, and I won't stop you because they're cute, <laughs> but it doesn't necessarily impart courage to my heart. And so I want to take a minute, and I want you to just shout out something that you recognize about Becca that's truth and not just a surface compliment but what's something that speaks into her character something that would impart courage it's so good it's so good it's so good, and it's so true, okay? <laughs> She's fierce. It's true. She is fierce. Um, but it, it's so important for all of us in this body particularly to stop and to see what God is doing in people's lives and, and to speak it out, out loud, and to impart courage. 
And so what we just did is we partnered with the Holy Spirit within her and within us, and we just imparted courage. We just imparted encouragement and life into Becca, okay? It wasn't hard, was it? No, it wasn't at all. It was, it was really easy to do, okay? And so um, I want to say, because I can, because I have a microphone, and Becca's standing right here. Becca, you are a woman of the Lord, and you hear his voice, and you are so faithful to step into everything he's called you to do. And you look beyond the surface of things and see deep into the potential of others. And so I want to affirm and encourage you in the gifts that God has given you and his love for you. And just, yeah, encourage you to continue to step out in that because you are bold and you are full of truth. Okay, you can sit down. Everybody clap for Becca. (laughs) Okay. See, this is fun, right? This is fun. So we do it to ourselves. We do it to people we don't think need it. Second or third group, okay, one, two. Third group is, okay, this, it's, get, it's gonna build up to a little bit more difficult. We speak truth over those we don't know how to encourage. Um, maybe they annoy us or maybe we see their sin, okay? I'm not gonna bring anyone up for this, so don't worry. <laughs> We're not going to have a practical outworking of this one. Instead, we're going to look um, in the word because the, the greatest example of, of someone who did this is Jesus Christ himself. And uh, how many people are so grateful that Jesus speaks encouragement to us? Everybody should be raising their hand right now. No. Okay, um, so you can leave First John and go to the book of Mark. Okay, and while you're looking for the book of Mark, we're going to stop at chapter 10. But I'm just going to give another example while you're looking for that. So Mark 10. Um, One example is Zacchaeus, right? Like, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was hiding in a tree. He was a little, uh, he's a wee little man, you know, he was short, possibly. And, I mean, a lot of people in that time, I mean, let's be real, tax collectors were not popular, they were not. Um, they were not necessarily even friends. Okay, and so Jesus spoke to Zacchaeus and said, "Today salvation has come to your house." Jesus saw past that and he spoke into the destiny. Okay, we're gonna stop. Mark ten. If you're there, awesome. If not, just listen. And I love this. This is so profound. Okay, Mark ten, and I'm starting in verse thirty-two. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus was walking on ahead of them, and they were amazed, and those who followed were fearful. Again, um, he took the 12 aside and began to tell them what was going to happen to him. Okay, I want you to stop for a minute. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and he has the disciples with him, and he just pauses. He causes them to come aside, and he starts to tell them the secrets of his heart, like the things that were going to take place in Jerusalem. And this is weighty. This is serious. He says, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit on him and scourge him and kill him. And three days later, he will rise again. Okay, Jesus just became super vulnerable with his disciples. He just said, Hey, we're going up here. 
you've seen the exploits, you've seen the miracles. I'm paraphrasing, I'm adding my own thoughts right now. And um, all these great things have happened, but I, I just wanna, I kind of want to give you a heads up. Like we're heading to Jerusalem and it's going to be rough. It's going to be hard. It's going to be painful. And um, these are the things that are going to happen to me. Okay, so Jesus just took a moment and opened his heart to his disciples and shared the weightiness of what was about to happen. Okay, now verse 35. James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, grant that we may sit one on your right and one on your left in your glory. Okay, let's pause there for a minute. So now I know in the Bible, we don't know that this is the exact conversation right after he shared about what was happening, but it's probably not that long after. So Jesus shares with them, I'm going to be beaten, I'm going to be captured, I'm going to be taken in, into and handed over to the Gentiles. And they're going to kill me. And two of his closest friends on the earth in that time, how do they respond? Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Like, if that were me, and I had just shared my heart with one of my close friends, and they right away turn and say, okay, but that's great. Wow, yeah, intense, really rough. But I have a favor to ask. You know, like... In my flesh, I would, I would say, are you kidding me? Like, I, ah, <laughs> like I, I would be hurt. I would be frustrated. Um, and yet look at Jesus' response. He says, he said to them, going back to verse 38, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? They said to him, we are able and Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you shall drink, and you shall be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. But to sit on my right or on my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Now, when Jesus said to them, um, you shall drink and you shall be baptized with the baptism, I don't think he's, he's saying it in oh, yeah, you are going to suffer too, you know? I don't think that was his heart. I think he saw them, though they were immature, though they still didn't quite get it, he knew, he could see into their destiny, and he knew, you know what, yeah, someday you are going to drink from the cup that I'm drinking from, and you are going to be baptized into the suffering that I'm going to suffer. And he was speaking into their destiny, and he knew in that moment that they would follow him unto the end. And so Jesus is that perfect example of seeing past our immaturity, seeing past the sin, past our understanding, and he speaks into the destiny. And so I think this is profound, and I think it's something that we're called to do. <laughs> uh, as leaders, not only is it important, for us to see beyond the immaturity and maybe a few sin issues that uh, are happening in the people that we lead, but how do we how do we partner with the Holy Spirit within them and the Holy Spirit within us to speak truth, to speak encouragement, and to impart courage? Um, so when when you're around people, even in this room, how do you see them? 
Like, what do you speak into? How can you look past their faults? Now, I, I want to be clear. There's a time for correction. Absolutely. Jesus did say, you do not know what you are asking. Okay? Um, but is that always the first thing to point out? And does it take precedence over building up the gifts and destiny in each child of God? I mean, really, we have to ask ourselves that because it is easy to partner with the negative. It just is. It's, it's human nature, okay? Um, so, like, my prayer, too, is that we would follow the example of Christ just as he did with his disciples and make a decision. <laughs> you have to make a decision to agree with the good in people and speak it. And it's, it's, it's not only an important leadership, leadership skill, it is honoring to the Lord. And, I mean, let's be real. We have enough to battle. Let's not battle one another, okay? So speak truth. Okay, last group. So group one, speak encouragement over. Okay, group two, people you don't think need it. Group three, people that maybe you don't know how to encourage. Okay, last group. Ready for it? People who have hurt you. Okay, this goes beyond. You're kind of annoying, kind of immature, don't know what God's doing in your life to now, wait a minute, like, I really, really don't like you, okay? And um, let's look at some scripture for this. Luke 6, 28, you don't have to turn there, just listen. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Romans 12, 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And I want you to think for a minute about the word bless. It implies speaking, blessing, stating, okay? Now, I'm not saying, you know, run up to the person who has wounded you and start encouraging them, but what I'm asking you to think about is what does this look like in our times of prayer um, when we're talking about that person to others, and, and what are we speaking? You know, what are we speaking um, look at the book of Job. I'm not going to turn there. But Job prayed for those who really, 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 really hurt him. And God released his heart and, and poured out blessing. So w why do we do this outside of the fact that it's a biblical mandate? Because we just read verses that said that this is what we need to do. Um, we do it because it guards our heart from offense. And it frees them frees us from bitterness, and it can bring about transformation, right? Okay, so um, I know that this can go even deeper, but I'm just going to give you like a really quick practical uh, outpouring of this, and, um, but I'm not trying to minimize like I, how deep this can go for individuals in this room. Um, so I came up for Johanna's wedding, and I was in, I was in the cities for just a few days, and there were some really rough moments with my family in particular, and so I left early, and I drove through Iowa, and um, it was late. Okay, I'm just building the scene here a little bit because I'm a writer. It's late. There was a lightning storm, okay? And as I'm driving down, 35, already kind of like feeling the inner angst going on, they closed down the freeway, okay? 35 is closed. 
And um, it's a new road construction site. And they just closed it maybe 15 minutes earlier, I find out later. And so there weren't any signs saying this is how, you know, you reroute or redirect. Really quick. I, so I'm, I'm going to Kansas City, 35 through Iowa to Kansas City. Okay. Now, in Iowa, in a lightning storm, my GPS doesn't work. <laughs> so I'm trying because, I mean, they literally had closed on 35 and I had to go off the freeway. Like, there was no choice. So I'm on a small road in Iowa. Bless you if you're from Iowa. <laughs> small road in Iowa during a lightning storm. No GPS signal. It's like 1130 at night. No signs telling me where to go. I'm getting upset. Okay, I, I was already upset. Now I'm really upset. Okay, so I call my friend and who was still up. Thank God someone was still up. And I said, you have to get on your computer. You have to help me figure out where I'm going. I have no idea. So she looks up a map and she finds, um, she's like, well, I think if you go to this town, because already I had taken a road thinking I knew where I was going, I had spent 40 minutes going the wrong direction, okay? So just feel the buildup, just feel the, the buildup of that. And so she's like, okay, you go to this town. I think I can help you. And so I turn, I get to this town, Super late, still raining, GPS doesn't work. Already upset about family stuff. Like, it's just a mess. And um, I think, still no signs, but I think the freeway's ahead, okay? So I'm going, 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 and all of a sudden, lights turn on behind my car. And I'm like, ah, like it just pulled over. Get a speeding ticket. It was 35 degree, or 35 miles per hour. I was going a little bit over that. And I'm like, where is the grace? Where is the mercy? Like, are you kidding me? Okay, so I'm, I'm bringing this around. Okay, so I get the speeding ticket. Um, no compassion from the cop whatsoever. Uh, none. And uh, so I'm, you know, <laughs> well, <laughs> okay, so, so I, I take the speeding ticket, cry a little bit, and then, and then I, you know, the Lord met me, and it was good, and I got back to Kansas City, and, and I was okay. I was okay, but the reason I'm bringing this up, yesterday I drove from Kansas City back here, drove through Iowa, passed by uh, the exit on which the detour was, and thought right away, <gasps> that's silly, silly town in that cup, and I all of a sudden was so ready to speak negatively to uh, curse instead of bless, to, you know, um, just, you know, whatever. It just rose up within me. Now, I know this is a funny example, but it's, it's true, okay? So there are going to be times in your life where all of a sudden you're triggered and you're like, oh, and the instinct is to, to curse, to speak negatively. And that's what I'm talking about with this because I stopped, and of course, knowing what I was going to speak on tonight, right away, Holy Spirit was like, wait a minute. And I stopped and I had to make a conscious decision to speak blessings over that town, to speak blessings over <laughs> that police officer, you know, and to say, God. And I did. I just stopped in my path and I said, Lord, thank you for this town. Thank you that there are believers within this town that you are stirring even now. Thank you that you have a plan and a purpose. Would you strengthen the churches there? Would you just pour out grace and mercy? And it shifted at that moment from me being frustrated and wanting to, like, speak 
evil of that town to, to praying and blessing. And I, and I just, I just want to encourage you because I know that's like a very small surfacey example, but there are some, re- there, there are people in this room that I know are deeply wounded by people. And when you think of that person or you think of that situation or how they wronged you in your heart, it's so easy to others to say, oh my goodness, you don't understand this, 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 this. Or, oh, like, why blah, 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 blah. And I'm not minimizing the pain by any means. But coming back to what does the scripture tell us to do, it says to bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Not because they deserve it, but because it, it guards our heart against offense. And it frees us from bitterness, and it can bring about transformation. So just to encourage you with that. So we're going to bring it all around because it's not easy to do. I get it. I get it. I get it. It is not easy to do. But as we read in 1 John, you are from God, little children, and have already overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So we have the power and the strength to speak encouragement, to impart courage over ourselves, over people we don't think who need it, over people we don't even know how or it's difficult to, and then even onto people who have wronged us. Um, so I'm just going to end in a time of prayer. And I want, uh, if there are those who are on the prayer team, want to come up, absolutely can. Um, um, sure, you know, like a few people if you want to come up. But I, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to encourage you to break up into groups of like two or three And I want you to just be asking the Lord, um, help me to partner with you in this. Because it's practical. You can do it. And but here's the thing. You can also leave this place tonight and choose not to and forget. And it maybe doesn't seem to really matter. But um, you're imparting courage and you're speaking life, and it's important. So I'm just gonna pray over you guys, and then we're gonna break up and pray into small groups. And then if people who are on the prayer team come up and you want individual prayer um, for this or for something totally different, that's cool too. But I just want to bless you. Jesus, (laughs) I thank you so much that you are practical and wholly supernatural. You speak truth in logic and then defy our minds with the power to walk it out. So I ask you, even now, in this room, in this place, would you impart courage would you impart truth would you free our hearts god each and every one of them to love you more holy and to love those around us god i ask you would communitas be marked and known for the way they speak life and encouragement unto one another god i thank you for this word i ask you to just seal it seal it god and call have have it be brought to mind in those places where we are triggered, in those places where we are so tempted to speak curses instead of life. I ask you, God, to just work, even tonight, even tonight, in this room, just work. Free our hearts, Lord God, and speak life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, if you want to just break up into groups of two or three and start uh, just praying this over one another. Ask God to encourage you and to help you partner with him in 
the simple task of encouragement. And if you want, you can come up to and receive prayer.